Fiesta, Fiesta. At our last celebration, uh, I spoke about Jesus being uh, the grain of wheat who fell to the ground and died. And uh, from that one seed, a great harvest is being reaped, and we are part of that harvest. Uh, but we are also uh, the seeds. And it's that theme that I want to continue uh, to speak on this morning. Um, I want to talk about, first slide, Tracy. First slide, Tracy. You need to pay attention here. No, first slide. Is that right? Is that already up there? Forgive me. I'll take it back. Thanks, Jason. Need to pay attention. So, um, Seeds of the Kingdom. A few weeks ago, I was at a team meeting in Missouri. Uh, I'm part of a team that oversees all the confluence churches in uh, North America. Thank you. Next one. <laughs> Here's the confluence churches. Uh, we're pretty small still in the United States compared to some other countries, although not all of them can be seen there. For example, we've got three churches in Guadalajara. Uh, in fact, Shane and I will be visiting two of them next week. Um, we have, there's five churches in Cuba uh, who are interested in connecting with us, and uh, Sam, I believe, is going to be visiting there in September. Uh, and we are part of, we're a branch, if you want, in the New Frontiers global family of churches, uh, as Gareth said. Anyway, our confluence team meets two or three times a year, and this time we had a man called Dave Holden with us, who is one of the London leaders, which is where I'm from. And he gave a message about God's ever-increasing kingdom and how the kingdom of God is like a seed that is planted and how it grows. And I thought this would be a great message for us. And so I've stolen his outline to encourage us in what God is doing here. I don't know if you've been outside much in the last two weeks. I looked out of my window the other day. It was raining seed. I mean, literally raining seed and uh, things are sprouting up all over the place things were it seemed dead just a few weeks ago and then now suddenly everything is just growing like crazy and it's this natural process of life and growth that Jesus points to when he describes the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is the reign of God and it began on earth with the coming of Jesus. And it came like a tiny seed, but it's growing. And one day it will fill the whole earth and will transform it. Let's read how Jesus describes it. This is from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4. He says, The kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, and then the head, and then the full grain on the head. And as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle, because the harvest has come. Next parable. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed 
that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can rest or nest in its shade. Both uh, parables there are describing a natural process. Right? The first parable is telling us that the process of growth is inevitable. Seed that is sown will germinate and will sprout all by itself. The man doesn't even know how, he says. And it's not that the man doesn't have a part to play. He sowed the seed. But as one commentator put it, quote, the final outcome is inevitable once the natural process has begun. That's the first parable. The second parable, Jesus emphasizes the beginning and the end of the process and how the beginning can seem so insignificant. You know, tiny, tiny seeds, the smallest of seeds, yet it can grow into the largest of plants, providing refuge for those in its shade. So in these two parables, Jesus is pointing to a natural process to describe a spiritual process of how his kingdom grows. It's like these seeds, he's saying. Now, God initiated the natural process when he created the world. Right? Genesis 1.11. It says this. It says, Then God said, here it comes, Let the vegetation produce, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruits with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. And it's been so ever since. Right? Once the seed is sown, the process begins. And as someone once said, all the tree is in the seed. Right? Once the seed is sown, right, all the tree, all that it's going to become, all that potential, right, it's all contained in that seed. It's why you know, when you plant apple seeds, you get apple trees not banana trees, all right? All the trees in the seed. And it's the same in the spiritual realm as well. God also initiates spiritual processes where spiritual seeds are sown. And sometimes, you know, they can seem really small and insignificant, but their growth is inevitable, just like it is in the natural world, because it's God who causes them to grow. Our church was a little seed once. Forty years ago, a small group of young people came from Dartmouth College to start a new church at UNH. They didn't look very impressive. <laughs> they were rather young and inexperienced. Some are unrecognizable today. They had no idea whether they were going to make it or not. I don't think any of them attended a church planting seminar. Did you? No. No leadership assessment. No. They just felt God had called them to come and plant themselves here. Right? So they had no idea what kind of growth or influence they would have or what fruit would come from the seeds in this tree, what other plantings might take place. But all of that potential was contained in that seed right there. 
and it's still growing today. Praise God. And that process of growth is inevitable because God initiated it. Right? It was a seed in his kingdom. And whatever God initiates grows and will bear fruit. Right? That's the principle I'm talking about today. So with that in mind, let's just consider three parts of that process. And the first part is that it's God who initiates it. Wherever we see salvation and healing or justice or beauty or goodness springing up, you can be sure it's initiated by God. It's the fruit of his kingdom. That's why we pray. Right? It's why this week we're gathering in Summersworth on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. to pray. It's a regular part of our life together as a church. We gather to pray, to ask God for his kingdom to come, to ask God for his guidance, to ask God to fill us with his spirit because we know that apart from him we can do nothing. Right? Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. We are wasting our time if what we're doing is not of God. Right? Whatever is man-made, whatever is of the flesh will ultimately die. But whatever God initiates will flourish and be a blessing. And that is why we pray, because we need God to bring life. And it's so important that we understand this. I mean, just take you and I, for example. The only reason why you and I have put our faith in Jesus is because God took the initiative and planted a seed in our hearts. Peter calls it an imperishable seed. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter. He says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. At some point, you heard the gospel. You heard about Jesus, and God caused a seed to be planted in your heart. It's an imperishable seed, and it gives life, and it cannot die, right? The growth and the outcome of that seed is inevitable. You have been born again. You've been made spiritually alive. At one time, the Bible says we were dead in our sins, spiritually dead. But God, because of his great love, has made us alive. It was his initiative. And that's why Peter tells those believers who have been born again to love one another deeply from the heart. Because that is the fruit that comes from this living seed. You can't tell dead people to love one another deeply. Right? Dead people can't do anything. Right? That's why we shouldn't expect people to live like Christians, to behave like Christians, unless they've been born again. What we should be doing, rather than judging them, is sharing our faith with them and asking God to plant a seed. Some of you here today were raised in Christian homes, but that is not why you're a Christian. If you're a Christ follower, Today, it's because God planted a seed in your heart, and it's growing. And I know, you know, for many people growing up in a Christian home, 
you feel like maybe you don't have much of a story to tell. It feels like you kind of just, well, grew into being a Christian. And you hear other people talking about their lives before Jesus. And it was all, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they have an amazing conversion story, uh, how they came to faith. And often those stories can sound quite dramatic. And perhaps your own story feels like, well, rather boring in comparison. But the truth is, you cannot be a Christian without God's initiative. At some point, God planted a seed that started growing in you. You were dead. There are no degrees of dead. It's not like if you grew up in a Christian home, you were halfway there. No, you were dead. Spiritually dead. But God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive. That's what the Bible says. You are a walking miracle. Born again. It's a miraculous work of God. That is our story. That's the story in Rochester as well. What's happening there is a work of God. Just like our church was here in the beginning, just like it was in Summersworth. Right? We believe that it's been God's initiative. That God gave us prophetic confirmations. That as we prayed, we had the witness of the Spirit. That we believe these are plantings of the Lord. Seeds that he has sown. And, you know, it can seem so weak and frail at times. But, you know, that is the nature of seeds. And yet in Rochester, a mysterious force is being unleashed. Right? A process through which God's kingdom will come. And we can't even imagine right now what things could grow from there. Maybe the influence that the, the church will have locally or the lives that will be touched or even the nations that might be reached. But all of that potential is contained within the seed. Everything that is needed is right there, right in this small multicultural group gathering to worship in the YMCA in Rochester. And we believe that God spoke to us very clearly that he was going to plant five fruit trees in our yard, five congregations, which is again why we need to pray, to ask God to show us where, right? Because we don't want to start anything that's just a good idea. We don't want good ideas. We want God's initiative because that's what will grow and bear fruit. It's why we have a group meeting in Durham to pray, right? We sensed that the Lord might be leading us there, but we're still looking for his confirmation and timing because unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And just to say, you know, all of these kingdom seeds could represent all kinds of things that God wants to plant to bring blessing to this world. And that could be acts of mercy or justice. Uh, it could be any number of ways that we can do good or serve others um, or bring blessing and beauty into this world. Uh, listen to theologian N.T. Wright. He says, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, 
campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, it will all last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. No, they're part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. All right? They are seeds in his kingdom and their fruit will last. They are, in a sense, seeds of the new creation that is coming into being, right? Seeds that will grow and become part of the new world when the kingdom of heaven is finally and fully here on earth. And I just believe that, you know, we as a church are in a season right now when God is sowing seeds into people's hearts. And there may be seeds of new life. It might be new initiatives. It might be a new direction. New gifts, new frontiers. That's what I sensed when I saw seed just raining from the trees. I felt God saying, there was, we're coming into a season now of acceleration and growth. All right, so that's the first thing. It's God who initiates it. The second part of the process is that God sustains it. Whatever God starts... He sustains. So for you, if you are a born-again believer, he has promised to sustain you. He's not just the author of our faith, he is the perfecter of our faith too. Whatever he starts, he sustains. This is what Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said, I'm convinced of this. He who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right? He is working all things together for our good. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says that nothing can separate you from his loving presence. Neither death, nor hell, nor your thoughts or failings, or your doubts or your decisions, because it doesn't ultimately depend on you. All right? It doesn't matter how weak you feel that your grip on God is, his grip on you is strong. Listen to what he says to his people in Isaiah 41, where he says, you are mine, he says to his people. I have chosen you. I haven't rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. And his right hand symbolizes power. I will hold on to you with all my power, says the Lord. I will never let you go. That's what he's saying there. I will strengthen you and I will sustain you. Now, of course, we all have a part to play in that. When I became a Christian, I committed myself to a local church because I knew I needed others to grow. I needed teaching and fellowship and the prayers of those around me uh, participating in a community group, in a small group, right? That was an important part of it for me. Those things are like the soil that we grow in, right? We need that. But it's God who ultimately sustains us. And when you go through trials and hardships, you need to know that. You need to know that. The truth is, the Christian life is not hard. It's not hard. 
it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. So if you are feeling stirred to follow Jesus today, and you're wondering if you'll have the faith or if you'll have the strength or the commitment that's needed, the answer is no, you won't. You cannot do it. It's impossible. Impossibly. Which is why we're called to put our trust in Jesus. Right? Put your trust in Jesus and he'll give you a helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he comes to dwell in our hearts to enable us to live for him. He is the one who sustains us and empowers us. He sustains individuals and he sustains the church. Now our church, like every church, has gone through seasons. There have been fruitful seasons and barren seasons. Easy times and hard times. There's been changes of leadership, changes of location, there's been conflict, there's been spiritual warfare, and now a global pandemic. And we're still here. Hey, we're still here. Why is that? Is it our extraordinary wisdom and skill? Is it our remarkable technology and marketing? Is it the impressive leadership of this church? <laughs> no, it is God who has sustained us. Whatever he initiates, he sustains. He has sustained our church in Istanbul, Turkey. We see there from our church. Here's a picture. It won't go on the video, but for all of you, this is what they look like. They went believing that God was calling them to plant a church with two other couples in New Frontiers. That was over 12 years ago, 13, 13 years ago now uh, that they went out there. And even though there's been persecution and leaders who've had to leave the country and all kinds of struggles, at the same time, there have been stories of Jesus appearing to Turkish people in their dreams, miraculous healings and salvations. The church has grown. Turkish leaders have now been appointed, and they started other congregations. But they would all say it's only by the grace of God. Right? He's the one who initiated it, and he is the one who has sustained it. We're believing the same for Alka and Bev Mayers, who we sent to the Netherlands last year to start a church with three other couples uh, from the UK. And that church has now been launched and is starting to grow. Alka, whose birthday is today as well, is preaching and the church is growing and God is working there. Now, you may wonder, what about our church plant in Brooklyn, which after five years we had to close down? Um, that was after several waves of COVID, having to restart the church, and then one by one, all their key workers in the city left the city, all for good, valid reasons. But we might question, was God really in that? I mean, after all, if he started it, why didn't he sustain it? Good question. Without doubt, there are things that we initiate that don't succeed, where God is not in it. Sometimes we only truly know if something is a work of God by the fruit that comes from it. 
But what I will say is that not every seed turns into the same plant. There are all kinds of seeds, and there are all kinds of plants. We sent people to Brooklyn who felt called by God. We supported them. We prayed for them. But that seed didn't really get rooted and established as a church, at least not yet. But it did flourish, and it bore lots of good fruit. Many lives were touched. They baptized 10 people. That's 10 miracles. And although many of them are scattered all over America now and even other parts of the world, that seed is continuing to bear fruit. In fact, someone's husband, who was not a believer in Brooklyn, but was touched by their friendships, who seemed very close to becoming a Christian, I heard just became a Christian in Pennsylvania recently. We can't always see how God is working and what he's growing. But God knows. God knows. He's the gardener. And what he plants, he sustains. He nurtures. And it grows. And that is the third part of the process. God grows it. Right? He initiates it, he sustains it, and he grows it. And because he grows it, the growth is inevitable, which means it's often surprising to us because even a tiny seed can grow into a great tree. In fact, he seems to specialize in taking small things and making them large or taking insignificant things and making them influential. Seeds can seem so small and fragile, can't they? And we may wonder, how can, how can that ever become something? But in God's hands, the seed has a life force that is irresistible. It's indestructible. It's inevitable. There's an old uh, cemetery in Italy that people like to walk through to admire these amazing uh, old tombs of some very important and wealthy people. Some of them centuries old, these tombs. And over one of the graves, there was this massive slab of marble, really thick. And over the years, maybe over centuries, something amazing happened. Because an acorn must have fallen into the grave or maybe down the side of the tomb. And over the centuries, it's grown and it's grown until that huge marble slab cracked and rolled off in two halves. And there in its place now is a great big oak tree. And people go to marvel at this, to marvel at the power that there is in that seed. And that, folks, is a picture of what God is going to do in our lives. Because one day, that imperishable seed that is in us will break through the grave. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the resurrection of the dead. Right? He said, when we die, we're like seeds going into the ground. We return to the dust, but it's a seed that is sown, he says. So he says, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body.
And we can't even imagine what that body will be like. We get a clue when we read about Jesus' resurrection body. But whatever it will be like, the DNA is all in that seed right now. Okay? And by God's power, we will be transformed just as surely as that acorn that grew into a tree. And what's more, you know, when we get to glory and this whole world is transformed in the new heavens and the new earth, we will see the fruit of all the seeds that we sowed in this life. And it will be like a beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden, which is paradise. And all the seeds that we sowed, all the lives that we touched through our giving, through our serving, our praying, our befriending, our working, our beautifying, all that God did through us will be in full bloom there. And I suspect much of it will be a big surprise to us, like, wow, how did that happen? How did that get here? Well, God grew it. God did it. He delights in taking something that is small and insignificant and growing it into something magnificent. In fact, as he says to the Corinthians, he deliberately chooses the weak things of this world and the insignificant things so that we will know. We, we can't boast that we did it. Everyone will know that God was the one who did it. You know, when Jesus left behind 120 believers, they were nobodies. Uneducated Galileans from this despised province in Judea, a tiny outpost of the mighty Roman Empire, such small beginnings. And after Stephen was stoned to death and many of the believers had to flee persecution, it looked like the church would be crushed. But new shoots kept springing up. New plants kept taking place. God was at work growing his church in often miraculous ways. And it just kept multiplying until at the end of the book of Acts, it says all of Asia had heard the word of God. But in fact, that was just the beginning. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all the way to the ends of the earth, and it's still continuing today as God grows his church. Now over two billion believers worldwide, over half of them, 61% in the global south. That is Latin America, Africa, and Asia. God is growing our own church as we multiply congregations, but also as we multiply gifting and uh, ministry and leadership and so on. Our influence is growing as we continue to pray and serve and love those around us. People from different nations are finding their home among us people of different generations, different walks of life. We don't know how long our church will continue in its current form, right? Churches tend to have lifespans, but it would be fun, wouldn't it, to know what fruit comes from the seeds of this church in the future, uh, what new plantings will take place, how far our branches may reach. We've already sent people out across the nation and into the nations, Maybe God will call some of you to go too. For Daniel and Natalie, here it was Oman, where Daniel is following in Sam's footsteps, sharing the stories of the Bible and teaching others to do the same, most recently in Uganda and in Pakistan.
Sam and Marlene will be heading to Nepal again this fall, continuing to train people uh, there. Um, and already the seeds that they have sown have borne fruit with new churches being planted. And many of you know how that story began with God sowing a seed in Marion Narona's heart to do something about slavery in Nepal. And what has grown from that has been incredible. But here's the thing. All glory goes to God. Because the truth is, it's neither Marion nor Sam. It's God who gives the growth, right? That's the principle, folks. That's the process. Whatever grows from this church or grows from you, it won't be because of you. It won't be because you have great leaders. I mean, look at us, right? It's because we have a great and sovereign God who gives growth. And that is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, last verse here, about his own influence in their church, along with another leader called Apollos. He says, what is Paul? What is Apollos, he says? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. That's the message. That's the message. I've been in New Frontiers now for 40 years. New Frontiers started as a tiny little seed. I can remember when it was just a dozen churches on the south of England, and I became a Christian in one of them. It's been amazing over my lifetime to watch what God has done, how it's grown, how it's spread, how it's multiplied overseas. And there's no real central government. It's been so organic, just multiplying teams and ministries and so on. Uh, and in fact, we don't really know how many churches there are in our family worldwide. Uh, Gareth mentioned 2,000. Last I heard, it's over 3,000 churches now uh, working into some 90 nations. Uh, so, you know, when I became a Christian 40 years ago, it was just a seed, just a tiny seed. We had no idea what it would become, but all of the tree, all of that potential was all contained in that seed. Amazing. A seed that God initiated, that God sustained, and that God has grown. Let me close with this. I want to remind us as I close here that all the seeds and all the growth I've been talking about is all because of one single seed, Jesus who did not consider his position with God something to be held on to, but made himself nothing. He came from heaven to earth as a tiny seed, just as a tiny embryo planted in a teenager's womb. A seed that was to fall to the ground and die, and yet God raised him from the dead, to become the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, all of us, as the Bible says, which in the book of Revelation has become a vast multitude that no man could number from every nation, tribe, and tongue, all gathered around the throne of Jesus who has been exalted to the highest place at the right hand of the Father where he has no equal and he has no rival. All things were created through him and for him. He was before all things and he sustains all all things. He is the Alpha and the Omega, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is the kingdom that we belong to. All the other kingdoms and governments of this world will fall away, but his will stand forever. 
That's the kind of politics I like, right? A kingdom in which the smallest seed will become a mighty tree. A kingdom in which the weak are made strong, in which the last will be first and the meek will inherit the earth. A kingdom where nothing is impossible and where growth is inevitable. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand together. If you're able to stand, please join with me.